Good morning. I like standing here and then, uh, then up there uh, because I feel so far away. And um, it is so far away, way up there. So I like to stand here. Also, I just like, I, I just want <clears throat> to, I asked if, do I need a tie, uh, a jacket? I just, just want to share with you. Do I, do I need a tie or a jacket? I ask those, thank you. <laughs> I said, you know, then all of a sudden I get here. And the, the elders have ties on. And anyway, blessed be the tie that binds. <laughs> oh, that's really bad news. Did you ever have a situation in which you were uh, with, with individuals that you love or you're with your wife or you're with your husband or significant other and uh, you're discussing something and you just say to them and it's something of of national importance or whatever and you say <clears throat> it's no concern of ours forget it just forget it it's no concern of ours Did you ever have that uh, my father-in-law used to put it this way not my problem not my problem and uh in the old days, I guess we used to say, uh, it's no concern of ours. And I, I think to myself, when we, when we think that way, it's no concern of ours. We, we have a lot of concerns, don't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean we, can, we can fess up to that. We have a lot of concerns. We have bills. We have national concerns. We have familial concerns, family concerns, uh, concerns regarding our health lot to worry about, don't you think? It's a drag, uh, isn't it? It is. It's a drag. We go, wow. And you just go, and then and you wake up, and you, have the, you ever have these concerns in your heart and your mind, and you wake up in the morning, you, you go to bed, right? You have these things that are right before you all the time. And then you wake up, and you know, go to sleep, and hopefully it's not fitful or anything, and you wake up, and you, they're still there. Doesn't that bother you? It bothers me. It bothers me. The title of our little discussion this morning is It's No Concern of Ours. It's no concern. It's no concern. And the passage I'd like us to look at is in Romans, the epistle to the Romans. So it's these Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Sixth book. The sixth book of the New Testament. And uh, I'd just like to say it's, it's really no concern of ours because we're going to look at this passage. And uh, as we look at this passage, there are going to be three areas in our lives for which we should have no concern. So we should have th three areas in our life in which we should have no concern. Hopefully this will bless your socks right off. Hopefully that you'll walk away out of here today and uh, with the idea that there are areas in my life that I should have no concern. And uh, what are these areas? Well, we're going to look at this in verses 28 through 30. We're going to see that we should have no concern about Christ's purpose for our lives. Christ's purpose for our lives. In verses 31 through 34, we should have no concern about Christ's power 
in our lives. This is pretty good, isn't it? This is really this is really good. That's helpful. <laughs> Since there are 16 of them, uh, and uh, we're going to be in the middle. Eight. Yeah. Eight. Chapter 8. Thank you, Murphy. I appreciate that. I know we call him Greg Stiegelman or whatever it is. but it's, um, And then also in verses 35 through 39, we should have no concern about Christ's presence ever leaving our lives. So there are a lot of things that we shouldn't have no concern about, and we're going to talk about three areas in which we should have no concern. And hopefully when we walk out of here today, uh, we, will have, we will have been instructed from the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, to increase into our hearts and our minds a greater trust in our God. Because these are true whether you like it or not. I led a guy one time to, to Christ, and it was really a great time. It was really wonderful. And I talked to him, and I said, you know, now uh, you're stuck with Jesus. You're stuck with him. If you know Jesus is your personal Savior, you're stuck with Jesus. And the guy goes, that's not bad, is it? <laughs> and I said, absolutely not. You're his, and he is yours. And so we're going to look at these three areas. We should have no concern. I'm going to start at Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Romans eight twenty-eight. Actually, we'll start in verse 26. Actually, we could start in Genesis 1, 1. But uh, we'll start in, in verse 26. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmity. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. You ever feel like that? But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And that he that searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because He makes intercession for us or for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose, for whom He did foreknow, He did also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called. And whom He called, them He also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Shall God that justifies... Who is he that condemns? Shall Christ that died, yes, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us? What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded 
that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor depth, nor any other creation shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What I love about, about this is what we, I've just read to you what God wants you to know. I just read that. God wants you to know this today. I mean, he's wanted us to know this all along, and we might have read this passage before, but God wants you to know this today. I mean, this is the thing he wants, and he wants us not to be concerned in these three areas. And the first area that we want to look at, because we ask the question, what are these areas? What areas do we have no concern over, which we might have concern about right now? And the first area is the Christ's purpose for our lives. Christ's purpose for our lives. Notice this. When we talk about, you know, I want to have meaning and purpose in life. We were at the boardwalk. Boardwalk. It's all tile or whatever, that brick. No boards there except what we sat on. And uh, I looked at this and I see empty faces sometimes. You know, people are trying to, it's like the nervous prostration of trying to rest. You know, I want to be distracted. I want to have vacation. I want to have all this stuff from all the cares of this world. And I don't want anybody encroaching in on this time because when I leave this place and having all the getting fried in the sun and having all the fun riding the weird bicycles and, and going down there and getting all the different you know, stuff and looking at all the things that you can look at and all that kind of stuff, I know I've got to go back home and face the same issues. I got to go back home, and I, the bills are right there. I got to hand pick it up, put it there, unless I have direct payment. And then I I look at all this stuff, and I go, man, this is a drag. This is a drag. And so we did a we did a sketchboard yesterday. Are you on the boardwalk? B O R E D. Uh, you know, I, and I know it was bricks and such, but uh, you know, it was are you on the boardwalk? Because a lot of people are. They have no idea. They just wish they had some purpose in their life. They just wish they had some purpose. Now, we, can be cons- we don't have to be concerned about Christ's purpose for our lives. Notice verse 28. Because we talk about verse 28, we talk about Christ's purpose in terms of our sanctification. First of all, we trust Christ as our personal Savior. This is the key. To realize that we're sinful, that we cannot save ourselves from our own sin. We can't do it. You've been trying for years, and it hasn't worked. I tried for years. I tried for 18 years before I ever trusted Christ as my Savior to try to do it myself by religious you know, endeavors, going to church, being the nicest guy, all this kind of stuff. I've never been drunk. I never toked on the weed. I didn't even ever inhale, except somebody else's stuff. I was at a concert once. And that was, uh, that was really weird. And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, you know, so I was, at, I mean, you know, I mean, I wasn't doing it intentionally. It was like a cloud over the stadium. And, uh, and it just, you think to yourself, man, I mean, people, people today are so, and we look at this, so empty. And it's, the reason is because we're separated from God because of our sin. 
And only Jesus Christ not only washes away my sin, but satisfies. He satisfies. He satisfies the longing of your soul, the longing of my soul, for a relationship with a God who really cares. And it's a weird thing is tonight, like we're going to go tonight, we're going to talk to people and tell them that God actually exists and that God really does want a relationship and that he does so much so that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross to pay for our sin. Uh, Murphy, uh, some lady tried to pick up Murphy yesterday. Uh, Janine, or was it? Geraldine, yeah, Geraldine. Yeah, she she got all mad. She goes, I can talk to you. She looks at me and she goes, there's no hope for you. But she goes, I can talk to you because I'm not really talking to you. I'm talking to your spirit or to your aura, whatever it was, right? Right. The reason why she didn't like me and, uh, is, and, and really didn't like Greg is because we said that uh, there was a problem with mankind and it was called sin. And that's too negative for her. Really? I guess it was negative when somebody shot John Lennon in front of the Dakota Hotel or the Dakota Townhouses, right? What do you call that? Negative influence? You betcha it was. Three slugs by Mark Chapman into the chest killed him. What do you call that? Social economical deprivation? It's called sin. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When we trust in Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, that sin that separates us from God is gone because He already bore it for us on the cross and washes it away. And so now we have eternal life because we've trusted in the One who gives eternal life, the Lord Jesus Christ. And now it starts us off on a, on a life of, we call it sanctification. The Bible calls it sanctification. It means a life separated to whatever He wants in terms of purpose. And so when He says this in Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. That's not a catch-all phrase for all bad things that happen. God's going to work it out. I mean, this is a phrase that, that when we yield our lives to Him, and we let God work in our lives, even sometimes we don't understand the situations that we're in, we don't understand you know, some things that seemingly are, you know, you know, it's not what we really wanted or really thought would really be good, but God works it out for His glory because we're depending on Him. Sanctification. Whatever you want to do with my life, Lord, in really essence, we're in essence saying to God, whatever you want to do with my life, I want to turn it over to you. God will bless your socks right off. You do that with God, God will bless you. You don't do that with God, even as a believer, how, how can He bless an obstinate heart? How, and why would we ever have one? But see, as a Christian we can do this. Because we have, we're fighting inside all often. Isn't that true? We want to do what we want to do. I don't care what anybody says, even God. I want to do what I want to do. Because why? I know best. Now, we're really going to hold to that? We're really going to say, God, I, I know better than God knows? 
He who holds the, you know, the, he knows the end, the beginning and the end. He knows all in between. And he, he's all powerful, all knowing. And we're going to say to God, I can run my own life? Are we crazy? It's like if you're a parent, you know, you look at your kid. And, you, you know, the kid goes up and makes his declaration. Oh, I'm going to do this. <laughs> and you go, You're foolish. You're foolish. Are you kidding me? You're foolish for you know. You're we we know what's going to happen to you if you do this. This is what's going to. God knows the same thing. He's the great parent. He loves us unconditionally. Loves us, and he has designs on our life, and he wants our life to not only count for eternity, but he wants to bless our lives. He wants to bless our lives. And that's sanctification. And God works all things out. And then also, uh, predestination. Ah, what a word. What a word. I've got to get my glasses on for this one. Got to look at this word. Right? Look at this. But predestination. By the way, doesn't he just... Uh, predestination has nothing to do with you getting to heaven. Nothing. I mean, just do a word search on it. I think it's used four times. It has nothing to do with you getting to heaven. It has everything to do with you because you are already going to heaven. And what is the predestination for? Notice what it says. The prepositional phrases really help us out on this one because it's going to give us the reason for this issue of predestination. For whom he did foreknow, and he does because he's all-knowing, he also did predestinate to what? To what? To be conformed to the image of his Son. So what is the predestination to? To be conformed to the image of his Son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So what is, God, what is the predestination? That you go to heaven? No. That because you've trusted Christ as your personal Savior... Now you will be like his son. Isn't that the coolest? You will be like Jesus in the end. Being confident of this very thing, that he who hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And God wants to do that. And we should have no concern about that in terms of his purpose. In terms of my turning my life over to Him and letting Him do whatever He wants with my life, He is going to bring it and I'm going to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe not in looks, because there's going to be physicality there. We will be physical, because He is, because He rose again from the dead physically. But in terms of our character, in terms of who, we, who He is, we will be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And that would be physical, but also in terms of our character, in terms of who we are. We will be like Him. And that's what predestination guarantees. It guarantees. It's not based on you. It's based on Him. He's done it, and He will do it. And then look at verse 30a. Moreover, whom He did predestinate... Him he also called, and whom he called, them he also, got to turn the page, justified. We have no concern about Christ's justification. No concern about his justification, his purpose in our justification. 
He has justified us. We are right with God. I am a child of God. You know, I like the name drop. I do. I like the name drop. I've met a lot of famous people. I really have. I mean, I blame, I mean, a lot. I mean, really famous. People you would even recognize. How about this one? Hulk Hogan. Chuck Norris. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, Chuck. <laughs> Chuck Norris. <laughs> you know, I, I really have. I like this. Ooh, impressive. How about this one? I know God. And how about this one? He knows me. I don't know if he goes around heaven dropping names. Chris Schroeder. <laughs> All the angels go, I don't think so. I don't think so. Not that I'm not impressive at all. But I know him, and he's justified me, and I am right before him. And then not only is you know I don't have any any concern about Christ's presence or purpose in terms of my sanctification, predestination, justification, but also how about this one, glorification. Glorification. Now this is. This is a tough one because in the Isaiah it says, I, will share not, I won't share my glory with another. But notice what it says here in, in uh, Romans, the last half of verse 30. And whom he justified, then he also glorified. This is coming down the pike. This is coming down the way. I've trusted Christ as my personal Savior. I know I'm going to heaven when I die, and I hope that's true for you. And now I know that He is going to bring me and work in my life in such a way that He is going to make my life a blessing to people and not a curse. A blessing to people. And then, so he, and then he looks at this and he, I know that He's justified me. It's based off of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection. And now because of all that, he is also going to glorify them. He justified. He will also what? Glorify. I remember at a at a at a meeting in um, I was doing a retreat for Hillside no Hillview Gospel Chapel Hillview Bible Chapel in Cupertino, California, and uh, we were at this Camp Koinonia and and we had the breaking bread on Sunday like this and had all these chairs set up. And I was sitting in the second to last row. And this guy behind me, a young man, he got up. It was just so, it was just so interesting because he wasn't these and vowing it at all. He got up and he goes, I just want to say, <laughs> he just, I just want to say, who can beat this? Who can beat the Jesus Christ that God so loved me that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for me? And pay for my sin. He said, just just um, the same vernacular, same intensity. He said, who can beat this? And said, not only that, but he, he rose again physically from the dead. Who can beat that? And he said, now he saved me. When I trusted him as my Savior, he saved me. And now he gives me power to live a life I could never live before. He said, who can beat that? And he says, and not only that, but he's going to take me home and he's going to glorify me. Are you kidding me? Who can beat that? Now I'm sitting there. I'm pulling out the pom-poms. 
you know, I'm ready to be his cheerleader. I'm going, nobody can! Nobody can beat that. Yeah, go, team, go, you know. I mean, I was just going crazy. Because nobody can beat this. Nobody can beat this. I mean, Islam and Buddhism and all that. Nothing. Not even close. Not even in the same universe. Not even. There's nothing that can beat this. Fantastic. Fantastic what He's done for you. And we have no concern. No concern about His purpose in our lives. So you can, if, you know, you can, you can just say to God right now, I turn my life over to you as a Christian. Or you can say, I receive Jesus as my personal Savior. Please be my Savior right now. If you've never done that, if you've already done that, you can turn it all over to Him and you can trust that He'll take care of you. You can trust that He will minister through you and you don't have to worry about this. You don't. You have no concern about His purpose for your lives. And then not only that, but you know, not only should we have no concern about it, uh, Christ's purpose in our lives, but also His power in our lives. No concern about His power. Look at the next few verses. This is electric. I hope you've got seatbelts here. Because this is really cool. Uh, look at verse 31. Look at verse 31. And it's all predicated on what, who the Lord Jesus is and what He has done. It's all predicated on who He is and what He's done. And you can never separate the two. So it's, it's Christ's power in our protection. Look at verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Geraldine? I don't like your vibes. <laughs> Tough nuggies. <laughs> I don't like your vibe. But I love Jesus's and what he has done for me. And Geraldine's never going to replicate that, never going to produce that in my life. No, no philosopher, nobody, no financial guy, no nothing can give what Jesus Christ has given, already given. And so I look at this and I look at the power, the power of protection. And we look at this and he says, if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for you, who can be against you? Okay, uh, I, I, I can, we could talk about this, right? It would take a lot of time. Uh, we've got time, right? Who could, who could be against you? I, I just want to ask you a question. And you don't have to answer me. But what are you afraid of? Seriously, what are you afraid of? If God be for you, God, not, not anybody else, who could be against you? So what are you afraid of? Uh, we're all looking at me. You're looking at me. And I can see you're going, <laughs> I dare not let anybody know. I'm scared of. Or I'm scared of this. Or I'm scared of that. If God be for you, who could be against us? And then notice this in terms of the protection. In terms of the protection, uh, 
He that spared not His own Son. So He protects us and then He's also provided for us. He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. Right? Notice what it says. Park your peepers right on that verse 32. But He delivered Him up for us all. How shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? So do you think that this God, who sent, who thought about you before the foundation of the world, right? Let's just think this one through a little bit. That thought about you before the foundation of the world, and in time and space sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to pay for your sin, to pay for my sin, die on that cruel cross, rose again physically from the dead, all of a sudden He's going to leave you helpless? All of a sudden He's not going to take care of you and where are you, God? Did you ever ask that question? Where are you, God? How come you haven't heard my prayer? He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us what? All things. God's in the providing business. He provided our salvation. He provides every, everything that you need. Take that deep breath again. Thank God for that, right? I know what it's like not to be able to take a deep breath. I had blood clots in the lungs. I should have been with the Lord. And to go, you should have heard me sneeze. It was really funny. People would go, how come, how come you sneeze so loudly? Because I want to. <laughs> because when I had blood clots in the lungs, I'm going, That was my big sneeze. Because I'd go in my whole chest cavity go into spasm. It really, really hurt. So you thank God for the little things, right? Praise God for teeth, right? Even some false ones. You know? <laughs> praise God that we can blink and praise God that we can move the arms and the legs and we do all that we think. We take so much for granted, don't we? Absolutely, we do. Oh, my aching back. Well, at least you're upright. <laughs> and I know how that is. I know exactly. We whine, 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 and we don't thank God for what He's already done for us. And we whine, 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 and think that God is like died. In fact, that was a good. That was an interesting story. I don't know how true it was, but when somebody well, it was Martin Luther came down. He had married Katie, uh, an ex-nun, and Martin Luther, an ex-priest, married Katie, and he he was depressed one, you know, for a time. He was really the great theologian. Martin Luther was depressed. I don't know who was the better theologian, Martin Luther or his wife, Katie, because when he came down one day, she was all dressed in black. And I'm going to give you my best Martin Luther accent. Katie, why are you dressed in black? Who died? Martin, God died. Martin Luther, the great theologian, went into a big speech. Katie, it's impossible for God to die. Then he went on and on and on. And he gave her 
gave her this big, big theological thing. And she looked at him with her practical theology and said to him, Then Martin, why do you act as if God is dead? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Our God is alive. And He provides for us. We just need to trust Him. God will bless our lives. He wants to do this. Think about this. God wants to do this. And yet it's our unbelief that prevents Him. It's our unbelief that... Oh, no. no I'll do it myself. God helps those who help themselves. <laughs> I like to see that in the Bible. Show me that where that is in the second Hezekiah, right? It's not there. And not only does he make you know, protection in terms of his power in our lives and protection and provision, but also intercession. We read in verse 26 that the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us. But notice what this says about the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Shall God that justifies? Who is he that condemns? Nobody can condemn you. He took the condemnation. He took the condemnation. Shall Christ that died, yea, rather, is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us? Listen, I, I remember at Fifth Avenue Gospel Chapel in Belmar, New Jersey, there, there, in a long time ago, uh, <clears throat> there were three elderly women, and they were about four foot nothing. In fact, they had, they had benches like this. They were so short. They were so short that they, the brethren had to make little stools so they could rest their feet. I don't know if they were hobbits or what, you know, but they were short. I mean, like really, really short and Scottish to the core. And I remember these, this one woman, one of the, they were all sisters, and one of the sisters came up and spoke for all three. And she looks up, she looks up at me, and I said, hi, how are you? She goes, Oh, Brother Chris, I want you to know, I pray, we, we pray every day for you. Wow. And I said, thank you. But they're gone. All three are gone. We have the Son of God who died on the cross praying for you the high priest under the order of Melchizedek who continually prays for you day in, day out, and makes intercession for you. I wanted those ladies to continue to pray. And, I'll, and anybody who says, I, I pray for you, I'll take it. Yes, amen, thank you. I appreciate that. And I've had people come up to me and say, I just want to let you know I'm praying for you every day. And this is Right, Pete? Today was no exception. We made a little covenant. Let's pray for each other, you know. And let's do that. And so we got, I got on my list, I got a little prayer list, and Peter is, is on that one. And we're every day going to pray for Pete, Peter J. And uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to do that. But think about this. Our God, the sinless Son of God, is praying for you this very moment, as well as the Holy Spirit who makes intercession for you. You cannot get a better prayer partner. You cannot do this. You can't do this. So you have no concern. You should have no concern. 
about Christ's purpose in our lives and His power in our lives. And then how about this one? This is like a crescendo. This gets better as it goes. This builds. This is like, you know, dun 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 Right? Here it comes. Here comes the crescendo. And you've got it right here. 35. Because it's Christ's presence, we should have no concern about Christ's presence ever leaving our lives. Ever leaving our lives. Look at verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword... As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors to him that loved us. The Greek on this one, the New Testament was written in the Greek. The Greek on this is so cool. It's cooler. It says, we are preeminently victorious through him that loved us. We just don't win. We win big. It's not even a March Madness squeaker. It is a slaughter. And it was the slaughter of our sinless Son of God on the cross, and He he triumphed over this. So we, therefore, we triumph too because of His triumph. It's Christ's presence in our lives that triumphs. We just don't walk around I'm a Christian. I'm such a. It's such an awful. We rejoice. We rejoice. We've got it. We've got it made. We've got it down. I have a friend of mine. She's with the Lord. A beautiful girl. Beautiful girl. She taught. Not taught. She worked in the audiovisual department at Moody Bible Institute. Diane White. Diane, just a drop dead knockout. Right. Godly, just beautiful, I mean, exuded the love of God, found out that she was dying of cancer. Terminally ill, they went, took her to the National Institute of Health, tried experimental stuff on her, and nothing worked. So the social worker, I mean, she's just really a happy, happy Christian. Just a happy Christian, right? And she's laying in bed, and the social worker comes in at the National Institute of Health and sits down because she thinks that the social worker thinks that this Diane is not dealing with reality. You've got to go through these stages, anger and then all, all this kind of stuff, right? She's as happy as a clam. I don't know how clams are, but I guess they're really happy because we say they are. You know? So she's really happy, and she's just joyful. And so this social worker comes in and says, you know, you need to deal with the issue that you're going to die. She probably sings that song, Happy Birthday. <laughs> Diane goes, I know Jesus. I know where I'm going. I know. And, she, and, and the social worker, well, you need to deal with the reality of this. And so Diane, what a opens up her drawer right next to her bed in that little stand and pulls out for her what she would like done at her funeral and hands it to the social worker. 
And the social worker looks at this and said, have a good day. Got up and left. <laughs> social worker couldn't handle that a Christian can be joyful. Even in the midst of death, facing death. That a Christian could have so much love and so much joy because of Jesus Christ. Somebody said one time about a Christian, a Christian, Christians die well. Because we know where we're going. We know exactly where we're going. And it's a, it's a presence in our lives that triumphs, and it's a presence in our life that's true. It will never change. Look at verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life. Okay, so we can end it there, right? But he doesn't do that. He's just going to do the overkill on this. Neither death nor life. So what's got you? We're living our lives. What is the things that got you? Turn it over to Him. Lay it all at His feet. Say, I want you to handle this. I don't know how to handle this. Give me wisdom. Help me, Lord. Show me how to do this and I'll do it. And I leave it at your feet. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities or powers. That would be demonic hosts. So we're, we're you know, so infatuated today in our culture with demons, you know. Oh, they're so scary. <sighs> nope. Not to the Christian. Neither things present, nor things present, so what's got you today, nor, what? Things to come. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creation shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He will never change. He is always there. He will always answer your cry. And that little girl got up and said that. He will hear the cries of His people. He will hear your cry. He will hear your cry. So don't you dare, next time you're facing an issue... Say to God, you have no idea what I'm going through. Because our God knows exactly what you're going through. And not only that, but He can help you in that. He can bless your life in that. He can turn it and work all things together for good. And you say, I don't know what I'm doing. Turn it over to Him. He'll show you what you're doing. He'll show you how to do what He wants you to do. Who can beat that? Nobody can beat this. Nobody. Nothing can beat this. I like, a, I have a friend of mine, he's also with the Lord. He was a professor at Moody Bible Institute. He said these words. You might want to jot these down. If God can save an enemy, he can surely keep a friend. We should have no concern about these things. So we can, we can, you know, remember the old Disney show, Zippity-Doo-Dah, Zippity-Ay, my, oh, my. You got that guy with a little bluebird, Mr. Bluebird on my shoulder. What? Well, cut me a break. You know, how many, how, first of all, I wouldn't have let a bluebird hang on my shoulder. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to let him do it. I'm going to tell you what, I've got, God. I know God. He knows me. He is never going to leave me nor ever forsake me. So I may boldly say, 
The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man will do unto me. Hebrews chapter 13. So why not trust Him? Why not trust Him? Why not? You know, we, we don't have to be, you know, we don't have to be concerned about Christ's purpose in, for our lives or His power in our lives or His presence ever leaving our lives. We don't ever have to be concerned about these three areas ever again. My suggestion to us is that we would read this passage again. Would you do that? Even if it's in the bathroom, read it again. Pull out the smartphone and let it be smart. And let the owner of that smartphone be smart in saying amen to this. So be it in my life. I want this. And it's true. This is... (laughs) Who can beat this? Nobody. Father, we thank You so much for Your grace and Your love that never quits. Never quits. Our hearts break sometimes because of the severity of of the problems that we face and we weep sometimes in our hearts and our we're concerned in our, our lives, but we turn it all over to You. We turn over our families. We turn over our careers. We turn over our very lives to You. We turn over ministries. We turn over everything to You. And we ask You that You will work in our lives as we yield to You. Lord God, please. And we thank You that You have spoken to us and You have declared these things true. We thank You. Please. We ask these things in His precious name. And You said that we come and ask anything in Your name, You will hear us. And we do. If there's sin in our lives, Lord, forgive us. Wash us clean. We turn it all over afresh to You. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.